Hello and welcome to another episode of the Oz Movie Geek Podcast. This is a special Christmas episode and I'm your host, Pado. Today I'm reviewing two horror Christmas classics in a way. Um, two movies of the B-movie variety. The first is 1974's cult classic Black Christmas, sent to me by the wonderful people at Shock Entertainment, which has received two remakes. The first came in 2006, and the second is about a week away uh, in releasing here in Australia, and a week away in America too, I believe. And the second is 1981's Christmas Evil, sent to me by the wonderful people at Glass Doll Films as well. So thank you to both those companies for sending me these films to review for you guys. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast below so you don't miss another episode and rate it as well. Uh, just helps me get noticed among the many podcasts that are out there. But let's get stuck into it. So Christmas for me is a time of year that I don't necessarily love a great deal. I understand why people do love it. I love the time off work and I love catching up with friends and family. But as far as the gift giving and the decorative side of Christmas, more the commercial side of it. It just isn't really my favorite time of year. But I do understand why people do love it. So I know very well that you guys love Christmas and I'm in the minority on this one because I've had quite a few people talk to me about Christmas movies and what are my favourites and what ones don't I love. The thing is with Christmas movies is there really aren't that many that are fantastic. There are some that I would call classics in, a, in, a, in every sense of the word. I understand why people love the Polar Express. For me personally, I don't love it. Elf is another one that I don't find myself watching too often, and the Grinch movies, uh, the remake in particular, I don't like. Um, the original with Jim Carrey is fine. It's a lot of fun for what it is. But yeah, as far as Christmas movies go, it's very hit or miss for me. If they ever try to do a Christmas comedy, I find myself either cringing really hard at it or just not enjoying it. I hate Christmas with the Cranks. It's one of my least favorites. Uh, Surviving Christmas is another one with Ben Affleck and James Gandolfini and Amy Smart. I just don't love that film either. There's a rumor that went around that apparently when the film was at the premiere, James Gandolfini leant over to the director and the producers and said, can I please leave? I'm not enjoying this. Um, do, do I have any contractual obligations to stay and watch this? And he apparently walked out of the home premiere because he just wasn't enjoying the film, which is hilarious. But yeah, it's just one of those things where I guess I'm just not a huge fan. But I do love Die Hard. Yes, it is a Christmas movie, in my opinion. That will be a discussion later had, I'm sure, but it is something that I thoroughly enjoy. Die Hard's one of my favorite movies of all time, but I call it a Christmas classic. Iron Man 3 is another as well that has that Christmas vibe to it as it's set over the Christmas period, and It's a Wonderful Life is one of my favorite movies of all time, let alone Christmas movies, so... Yeah, there's that. But this year I thought I would try something a little different and review two films that aren't necessarily holiday classics, but films that I think can be quite enjoyable over the Christmas period. And as you know, I'm a huge horror fan, so let's get stuck into it. The first film is 1974's Black Christmas, directed by Bob Clark and written by Roy Moore, and stars Olivia Hussey, Kier Dahlia, I believe is how you say her name, uh, Margot Kidler, John Saxon, of course, from Nightmare on Elm Street, Andrea Martin, and Marion Waldman. It's time for the Christmas break, and the sorority sisters make plans for the holiday, but the strange anonymous phone calls are beginning to put them on edge. When Claire disappears, they contact the police, who don't express much concern. Meanwhile, Jess is planning to get an abortion, but her boyfriend Peter is very much against this. The police finally begin to get concerned when a 13-year-old girl is found dead in the park. They set up a wiretap to the sorority house, but 
will they be in time to prevent a sorority girl getting killed again? Um, this is a film that has garnered a lot of attention, I suppose, in recent years because for its time in 1974, this was a very taboo film to be released. Uh, it's a Canadian production. It's a film that I didn't really get a chance to see. I actually saw the remake before I saw the original, which is kind of a shame. I don't hate that remake as well. I think the remake has a lot to offer um, and a lot of studio problems definitely hurt that production. Um, and 2019's remake looks interesting and I'll definitely check it out when it gets a wider release. But as far as this release goes, um, I think it's a great release from Cinema Cult. But this is an example of a film that I suppose is way ahead of its time. This is a film that feels like it should have come out in the late 80s, early 90s, um, but definitely got lost among the shuffle. And because of different horror flicks and slasher Christmas flicks that came out following this release, it definitely started a, a sub-genre of its own. Um, Silent Night, Deadly Night 1 and 2, and even 3, are three films that are thoroughly enjoyable, but... Yeah, this is just a release that's very interesting. So thank you to Cinema Cult and Shock Entertainment for sending me this one. But I'll get stuck into what I like about the film and what I didn't love about the film. The first is the story. This is a creepy story. Everyone's gone home for the holidays, but the people who are left in the house are disappearing. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it. It's very unique and something that's very different. You don't really see that too often these days. And even back in that time period... It utilizes that low-budget feel of the setting of the house and everything, which I'll get into a bit later, but it uses it to its advantage. And I really liked the layers underneath the story as well. We have um, Jess's character who is planning on having an abortion. That's an interesting plot thread to pull at, and I'll get into that a little later as well. But it's something that's very, very different, and I really enjoyed that aspect of the film. I also liked the approach it takes to the, the killer as well. Billy, who he's now known as... Um, is a deranged serial killer, essentially. And the way that he is established isn't through your generic tropes, but rather through these really off-putting and disturbing phone calls. And when those phone calls are on screen, it is honestly so uncomfortable and something that I wasn't really expecting when watching the film. It's something that's very unique to the horror genre. And I really liked that aspect of the film as to uh, perverted and disturbing as it was. It definitely put me on edge and I felt really uncomfortable watching it, which I think is an effective way um, for Roy Moore and Bob Clark to utilize that. And I thought that was done really well. But the story does play into the film very well. Uh, the characters. The film definitely establishes character archetypes for future slasher films uh, for years to come. The characters are relatively disposable, but I do enjoy Olivia Hussey's uh, Jess. The story of her having the unexpected pregnancy and wanting the abortion is quite powerful and resonated with me after I saw the film. Uh, it was just executed very well and I really respected the way that it was handled, especially for the time period too. It was very well done and I really liked that extra character depth because it did feel very unique to the story. Uh, the direction. Bob Clark uh, creates tense atmosphere by choosing not to use sound in a lot of sequences. Uh, the lack of score and eerie silence do make for some of the best scenes in the film and create tension and realistic sequences as well. Uh, this is done through great long takes and the use of the house as a location as well. The opening shot uses uh, POV, which is really interesting, um, and it makes it really tense. And I can imagine at the time was quite scary and confronting, and still to this day does give off that vibe that someone is watching you. 
And I think that adds to the overall creepiness and tension that the film builds. And I think Halloween and John Carpenter definitely used that as a, a launching pad, I suppose, for the original Halloween as well as that holiday feel, but also that POV um, perspective. It's something that we don't really get uh, too often these days, and I think it was utilized very well, especially back then. It's a very creative way to use that, and I really enjoyed it. Um, the setting, like I said, I love the setting of the house, and the fact that Billy is somewhere in the house is creepy as well. Creeping in the walls, chilling in the attic, you know, just serial killer things. It's just so creepy, and it creates really great atmosphere. Uh, the reveal that the calls are coming from inside the house as well is quite confronting. Uh, it's spooky, and his conversations with the girls, like I said, are vile and disgusting, and honestly made me feel very uncomfortable. Um, so I really enjoyed the way that those aspects were used. Like I said, it's very unique to the story. Uh, having Christmas as a backdrop as well to a horror film has a violating quality to it. It makes you feel unsafe. Um, as this is such a happy and celebrated time of year, having it set at this time of year really does create such a scary and invasive feeling to the film that really does keep you on edge for the duration and to this day still kept me on the edge of my seat as well. I don't think any Christmas horror film has come close to that feeling or tone since the original, which is crazy considering this is a 45-year-old film, but it's just a very unique setting and the way that it's executed is really creative and like I said, there's just some violating quality of having it set at Christmas time because it's a time you feel quite safe, you're surrounded by friends and family and having that is quite quite evasive and quite um, disturbing as well. So I really did enjoy that aspect of the film, not in a creepy and disgusting way, but just as a horror film, I really respected Bob Clark and uh, Roy Moore's direction and writing of the film. It just feels very creative and a very unique way to tell such a story. There are moments of levity with a bit of comedy thrown throughout too. Uh, some of it's quite funny. Uh, Claire's father appears at the sorority house as she was meant to meet him um, in the town square, but when she doesn't turn up, he grows a bit suspicious and he goes there and meets the sorority mother of the house. And that was a unique setting um, as well and a, a funny uh, comedic um, between the two of them too. It's just a funny comedic setting and I really enjoyed that. Just the back and forth there, it was quite humorous, um, him being quite disgusted with some of the photos and images that are displayed throughout the house. And I, I thought that was really unique and I did enjoy that. I do have a negative with the film though, and that some of the effects and budgetary limitations do drag the film down a little for me. It doesn't feel as if though the effects were to the standard even for the time. A lot of uh, are cutaways um, to hide some of the visual effects, which is fine, and I understand that's a clever way to hide those visuals, especially if you don't have the money to create them. But I think more brutalized murders would have been, I suppose, more vile and disgusting and put you on edge during the film a little more too. Uh, it would have definitely attributed more to the horror, and I think it would have made me feel even more uncomfortable, which is something that I think the film could have benefited from, especially if it had utilized it a little more. But at the same time, I do understand budgetary restraints at the time. I think the film cost $600,000 to make, which is extremely cheap, and uh, for the most part, I think they do a great job. But one of the girl's deaths um, is done through uh, a few cutaways, and... It does look very cheap and doesn't hold up as well as what maybe some gore effects would have. Not saying that all gore effects are fantastic, don't get me wrong, there's some shocking stuff from the 1970s and 80s, but I just think it would have added to the film and made it a little more a little more brutal and a little more disgusting and a lot more scary. But 
I respect the filmmakers for what they were able to do at the time with the budget that they had. But my verdict for Black Christmas. Black Christmas is a classic for a reason. It's clever, well-directed, and genuinely disturbing. This is one of the best horror slasher uh, flicks in the sub-genre of the Christmas uh, theme, if not the best, uh, and I adore it for that. And I'm going to give this one a 9 out of 10. And as a Blu-ray, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10 as well. Uh, just a little cinema grain and some sound quality issues, but nevertheless, it is a really good release, and thank you so much to... Uh, Shock Entertainment for sending me a copy of this because it is such a, a great release and I'm happy to have it as part of my collection. But I've left a link down below, guys, for you to pick this one up on Blu-ray today. Definitely check it out. If you're into your horror Christmas classics, this is probably the best that there is. Don't get me wrong, there's some fun to be had with uh, Jack Frost and the Silent Night, Deadly Night films and even uh, Michael Doherty's uh, Christmas, which... Uh, Krampus, Christmas. Too much Christmas. Um, but Krampus as well. Um... But yeah, this is one of the classics for a reason and it's very enjoyable to watch uh, as a horror fan. And if you want to snug up, I suppose in winter, where, uh, in summer here, sorry, we're experiencing extreme heat. So turn the aircon on and chuck the Blu-ray in and yeah, see what you think. But let me know what you think if you haven't seen this one because I know a lot of people haven't. And if you get a chance to see the remake, the 2019 remake, um, even the 2006 remake, if you see all three of them, let me know what you think. But that is Black Christmas. Now let's get stuck into Christmas Evil. Christmas Evil 1980 was written and directed by Lewis Jackson and stars Brennan McGart, Jeffrey DeMunn, Diane Hull and Andy Fenwick and is widely recognised as the best of the Christmas horror efforts. Christmas Evil is the story of a boy who loves Christmas. He's scarred as a boy when he learns that Santa is not real. Throughout the rest of his life, the toy maker tries to make the Christmas spirit a reality. He becomes obsessed with the behaviour of children and the quality of toys that he makes. When he is met with hypocrisy and cynicism, the resulting snap causes him to go on a killing spree to complete the dark comedic horror. Thanks again to Glassdoll Films for sending me this one on Blu-ray. Uh, just on a side note, this is a glorious looking Blu-ray. I love the care and the clear passion that this company has for Blu-ray releases. Uh, Glass Doll Films have put out some of my favourite Blu-rays in the last 12 months. If you remember my Ghoulies reviews, um, they're just fantastic Blu-rays with uh, beautiful cover art. It's always stunning. There's a little booklet inside as well, which is great. Um, this one is on sale at the moment for $19.99 on the Glass Doll Films website. See the link in the description to pick up your copy today. Um, and yeah, get it in time for Christmas, because like I said, it's a great looking Blu-ray. Uh, this was a film I have heard a lot about. It's a cult classic from 1981 or 80, depending on where you live. Um, but this was a release that I was very interested to see. I know that uh, Vinegar Syndrome also did a release recently. Um, and it's a film that I had never really heard of until recently. And then when I saw it on the Glass Doll Films website and after they'd sent it to me, I was like, I do have to do a review of this one because I'm really interested and intrigued to do a review of it. And I have to say, Christmas Evil is worth your time. The short answer to this one is, yeah, you should definitely watch it. Um, it is just such an enjoyable horror flick. It's very interesting in its setup and the payoff as well. I actually think as a movie, it works quite well. Yes, it does have its B-movie traits, but I also really like the way that it, it executes them as well. It's something that's very different, especially for a film like this. 
and I wasn't expecting it to be as entertaining as what it ends up being. So, what did I like about the film? Let's get into the positives first. Uh, the character of Harry, you do genuinely feel for him when he snaps. Whilst it is horrible and outlandish what he does, it does make sense in the context of the character and what he is going through. He's treated like garbage in his work life. He's a lonely person and is treated quite poorly by his brother as well from the brief scenes that we get of the two of them together and even his brother talking about him. And because of his childhood and the image of Santa as well and the reveal that Santa isn't real, you can understand how this could this sort of trauma could last with a kid, especially considering that Santa obviously meant a lot to him. He obviously has a few... Um, things going on upstairs that yeah, make for some interesting character choices later on in the film, but it all makes sense in the context of what um, I suppose ends up happening and eventuates in the film. So I really did enjoy that aspect of it. Um, it makes the film more enjoyable because you do feel for the character and you do understand what drove him to do these acts of violence uh, towards the end of the film. And I really did enjoy that because very rarely... Do you get an explanation in regards to what drives someone to do the things that they do? And I think that Christmas Evil does it quite well, and I really enjoyed that aspect of the film. Uh, the story. The story is intriguing as well. We follow Harry dressed as Santa shortly after Thanksgiving, who goes on a path of murderous destruction, killing one of his work colleagues in one of my favourite scenes in the film. He first breaks in to steal the presents from the kids because he thinks that they don't deserve them because his boss is an asshole. Um, well, he's not really his boss, but he's a colleague. Um... And, yeah, he, he suffocates him with the sack of toys that he's holding over his back. He's flopping around on the bed, uh, the guy that he's killing, his work colleague. And his wife just doesn't even move, doesn't even toss around. She's just completely still. And then he eventually, Harry, eventually kills the man with a star off a Christmas tree, slitting his neck. And his wife just sits there just completely stunned and she's in shock. And it was just the way it was executed. I found it quite funny. It probably wasn't meant to be funny, but I did find it quite humorous. Um, it's awful, but the way that it is handled, it does come off quite comedic. And I think that Lewis Jackson's intention might have been to create like a dark comedy. And in the sense that he does do that, because there are some moments of levity and a bit of humor that's thrown throughout. Um, for instance, Harry trying to work out how to perfect his Santa laugh, which could be seen as a horrific scene, but I really like the way it's handled. It's quite funny. And yeah, it's sort of that weird charm that Harry has, even though he probably shouldn't because he's a psychopath, but it's the way that it's handled that you do understand um, where he's coming from. But following Harry on this journey of death and chaos also has solitude in, he, you can see his solitude in finding a way to help the kids in the hospital and also fulfill his job as a vigilante Santa Claus in a way. Um, and it's quite insane and quite creepy as well. So it does balance those tones of humor and also scares in a very unique way. And I really did enjoy that aspect of the film and I found it quite interesting in the way it was executed. Um, but like I said, sorry, my voice just went really weird there. Um, but like I said, I do feel that this film does have moments of levity. There's a few scenes where it does come off quite humorous and I think it's partly intention, partly just that B-movie charm that you do have from films from the 70s and 80s where they didn't have high budgets, so they utilise what they have the best way they could. And I think it does come across in certain scenes where you do understand where it's coming from. And I, I do enjoy that. And I do enjoy that aspect of a B-movie. It just adds to it. And as far as the Christmas-y themes that are present in the film, 
family doesn't really play a huge role. Uh, Harry has a bit of a strained relationship with his brother. Essentially, his brother does... He thinks he's weird. He doesn't really understand why Harry is the way that he is and thinks that he needs to grow up. He keeps doing things that are a bit strange and a bit out of the ordinary. And his brother also does catch on quite early that something is up when he doesn't show up for dinner, when he hears the news that something crazy has gone on um, with the murder of certain people as a guy dressed as Santa. He starts to piece two and two together. And I, I think that would have been a bit more interesting to see it explored a little more. But as far as the Christmassy stuff, I mean, it is set between Thanksgiving and Christmas. We do have that Christmas setup that's snowing in New York. Um, there's lots of Santa. There's lots of presents. Um, there's lots of decorations. But um, essentially, it is it, it is a Christmas film, not just because of the title, but it, I suppose the time of year and the themes that it's getting across, as perverted and subversive as they might be, they are definitely effective and I think they do transfer quite well. Um, the effects of the film as well. The film is praised for its effects and some of the gore effects whilst used sparingly are quite enjoyable to see on screen. They are low budget but they do I suppose their job as well as they could especially in that time with the money that they have. The deaths and kills are filmed with sharp cuts so we see the before action, the action itself and then the aftermath. We don't really have a flowing shot just because they do it well working with a lower budget so I'd say that the uh, prosthetics were applied um, before and after so that you could see the definite change if someone was killed. For instance, the guy with the slice neck, um, the kill early on when the choir or the people, um, his work colleagues are coming out of the building and he kills the three people as well. Um, it was very interesting and I really did like the way that they were used, even though they are used quite sparingly. It's a clever way of hiding the low budget effects, but for what they are, especially at the time, I think they were done quite well and they are quite impressive. I also love the Santa suit. The more that Harry does, the dirtier it gets and I really enjoyed that aspect of the film too because I found it quite funny. It's really off-putting and it's really interesting to see it put on screen as well. Um, Brennan McGart as Harry is wonderful as well. He's likeable even though he goes balls to the wall insane uh, when he needs to. He finds a great middle ground of the character towing the line of sympathetic and also a, a psychopath that you're meant to be scared of. So I really did enjoy that aspect of the film as well and I found it um, very interesting. I really liked his performance as... I thought he did a really good job, just not even in a B-movie sense, just in a performance sense as well. He seems to capture both lines really well and you do see him as a down-on-his-luck uh, loser, essentially. And I really liked the way that it did play that up in the film and I really understood where he was coming from. Uh, the negatives. I do have one negative and I think that's the slow pace of the third act, uh, of the first act, sorry. Uh, it is de a detriment to the fun that is had later on in the second and third acts of the film. It is honestly bonkers, but it takes us a while to get there. Yes, the character development is important, especially to understand the sympathy behind Harry and where he's coming from, essentially. But at the same time, it would have been more entertaining to see him in the action doing outlandish and violent things earlier on in the film, to see that slow pro progression works. But at the same time, I think for the tone that uh, Jackson is going for, it could have been a little more fun to see this a little earlier on. Maybe him do something crazy as a kid. I know we're getting into Silent Night, Deadly Night territory with this, but that's essentially where I was coming from, and I would have liked to have seen that played out on screen. But nevertheless, I do enjoy um, those aspects of the film. The Verdict. Christmas Evil is a B-movie classic, and it is B-movie gold of the highest degree. It's insane, fun, and above all else, it's goofy. 
I had a great time with Christmas Evil and would highly recommend it um, for Christmas horror aficionados. I'm going to give this one as a film an 8 out of 10, but as a Blu-ray, I'm giving it a resounding 10 out of 10. I just thoroughly enjoyed this film, and I've left a link down below for you guys to pick it up if you get the chance to. Um, it, yeah, great film and very entertaining. But that brings this episode to a close. I'm sorry I didn't get to do more Christmas reviews. It's been a really busy time of year. I've had a lot going on. Uh, I'm actually in the process of moving at the moment, so I'm trying to really get all of that sort of stuff finished and sorted. I'm finishing up at a job. I'm about to start a new job. So it's very, I'm very much in the middle of things at the moment. So I do apologize. I didn't get to do more Christmas reviews, but thank you to Glassdoll Films and Shock Entertainment for sending me both of these films. I've left links down below for you guys to pick up both Black Christmas and Christmas Evil. Two films I had a lot of fun watching and would highly recommend you check them both out, especially Black Christmas. I, I don't know if I got across as much as I wanted to, how good that film is. And after seeing the terrible uh, 2019 remake, it, you have to appreciate the classics for a reason. They're classics and it is a great film. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast too, guys, so that you get all the latest content. And yeah, check out my Letterboxd or my Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Check it all out. I do try and post as regularly as I can. Um, and I've been posting more in regards to some of the Blu-rays I've been receiving from certain companies. So, yeah, definitely check that out if you get a chance to. But, yeah, if I don't talk to you guys before Christmas, which I do plan on doing, have a Merry Christmas and a safe New Year and a very prosperous New Year too. I'm looking forward to 2020 and all the movies coming out and all the reviews I plan on doing. So, thank you all for listening. And until next time, peace out. Thank you.